0: You are listening to the Life Church Podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our Life Crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Ross Steele. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 8, if you haven't got there yet, well, I don't know what you're doing because I gave you plenty of time, but it will be on the screen. Um, And before we get there, I just want to preface kind of what my message is about. We've all heard of different lists, and I have a list of lists, and one of those I'm sure you all know of a grocery list. Uh, I'm sure you guys all know of a bucket list. If you don't have one yourself, you have at least known it or maybe seen the movie of the the old grandpas who go do their bucket list. Uh, I'm sure you heard of an enemies list, a friends list, a blacklist, or even Craigslist. And there's lists for everything. But have you, have you, or maybe you have one already? But have you heard of what I call a victory list? Victory list is what my message is about today, and it's the very thing that God, I believe, God wants us to think about this morning. So as you turn and you're sitting there in chapter 8, I want to warn you, before I go, I'm going to read all verses. And we're just going to run through this real quick, and then we're going to get into the, the message. But I will probably butcher some names because there are a lot of weird names in places and places, and I butcher them all the time. So you can laugh at me, with me, whatever you want to say. We're going to start in verse 1. Now after this came about that David defeated the Philistines and subdued them, and David took control of the chief city from the hand of the Philistines, he defeated Moab and measured them with a line, making them lie down on the ground, and he measured two lines to put to death and one full line to keep alive. And the Moabites became servants to David, bringing tribute. Then David defeated Hab. No, that's not right. Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, uh, king of Zobah, as he went to restore his rule at the river. David captured him from 1,700 horsemen and 20,000 foot soldiers. And David hamstrung the chariot horses and reserved enough of them for 100 chariots. When the Arameans of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David killed 22,000 Arameans. Then David put garrisons among the Arameans of Damascus, and the Arameans became servants to David, bringing tribute. And the Lord helped David wherever he went. And he took the shields of gold, which were carried by the servants of Hadadezer, and brought them to Jerusalem. From Beta to Barotai, cities of Hadadezer, King David took a very large amount of bronze. Now now when Toi... King of Hamath heard that David had defeated all the army of Hadadezer. Toi sent Joram, his son, to King David to greet him and bless him. Because he had fought against Hadadezer and defeated him, from Hadadezer had been at war with Toi, and Joram brought with him articles of silver, of gold, and of bronze. King David also dedicated these to the Lord with the silver and gold that he had dedicated from all the nations which he had subdued. From Aram and Moab, the sons of Ammon and the Philistines and Amalek, and from the spoil of Hadadezer, son of Rehob, king of Zobah. So David made a name for himself when he returned from killing 18,000 Arameans in the Valley of Salt. And he put garrisons in Edom, and all Edom he put garrisons, and all the Edomites became servants to David. And the Lord helped David wherever he went." So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered justice and righteousness for all his people. Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was over the army, and Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder. Zadok, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were priests, and Sariah was secretary. Benaniah... And the son of Jehoiada was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites, and David's sons were chief ministers. That was that's the word of the Lord. Okay, that's it. That's the message. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's not the message. I got a lot here, and I know it's a lot, but I'm gonna break it down for you. And never name your kids any of these names. Just don't. I will not, I, well, unless Kelsey told me otherwise, but I will not be naming my kids these names. Uh, they might get made fun of, but it's okay. It's the Lord. It's the word of the Lord. We're going to rejoice in it. Um, but here we are. Do you see what God has actually given us here? He's given us a victory list. This is an, this is an inspired record of David's victories that we were just reading through. Not long after we met David back in First Samuel chapter 16, when he was first anointed, we learned that David was a great warrior. And, 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 and a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how he wasn't going to, going to build a, t- a temple for the Ark of God, because he wanted a man of peace, which is going to be his son Solomon. But here we are. he's a great warrior. We already know this. And ever since that time, we've heard about David's various victories. But we've never really had a list like this before. So now in terms of understanding this chapter, let me point out a few things that I would like you to notice with me. In terms of geography, the extent of these victories were very, very broad. The the list of nations or kingdoms that were given here in chapter eight covers a really good chunk of the real estate that we talk about here in, in, in and around Jerusalem. The Philistines lived to the west and southwest along the Mediterranean coast. The Moabites and the Edomites lived to the south southeast and east and damascus zoba and S- and hamath are to the north and northeast so why is he fighting against his neighbor what, is, what are the reasons for this and it doesn't exactly tell us this here here in the text today but there are enough clues in the con- in the context to indicate that these nations were hostile towards david We know he's a great warrior, and if any great warrior, any surrounding cities are going to want to take him out and want to be against him. So what he does instead is he goes and takes them out. He's not going to give them a chance. We've known from 1 Samuel that the Philistines have needed to be subdued. And verse 3 tells us that Hadadezer was attempting to expand his power base in the region. But it's clear that to almost every point of the compass, David is going forward in victory. Time after time after time, victory, victory. Second, in terms of success, the extent of these victories were comprehensive. Notice that David didn't simply just repel or rebuff these these foreign armies. He he dealt a severe blow to these nations. In verse 1, I'm going to run through these. He took control of the chief city. In verse 2, he took the two lines. He took a third, the two lines being, uh, and then one full line. So he's taking two-thirds of them and basically just killing them. Uh, he took all their horsemen, the foot soldiers, the chariot horses, he took, uh, garrisons, garrisons are just forts. So he put forts basically for him and his army all over. Uh, and he, he continues to do that in Edom and all over the, all over the Edom city. In verse seven, he he took the shields of gold. He took all their wealth. So the gold, the bronze, the silver, we see that in seven and in verse eight, the large amount of bronze and in verse 10, uh, silver, gold, and of bronze. So there could be no doubt that David's victories were comprehensive. We see the victory, we see the gain, we see see the the fruits from these victories. And third, in terms of notoriety, the extent of these victories was far reaching. Two verses here give us an indication of how the word spread, how the word had spread about David's victories. We read in verse 13 today, he made a name for himself. So we already know that, that. People are, are recognizing. It's in the word that we're reading today. So, therefore, everybody around has already recognized that he's making a name for himself. That David's victories over the 18,000 Edomites, it was well known within the region. And in verses 9 and 10, we also hear about uh, the, the king, Toy, he, how he, he hears about David's victories over Hadadezer, the king of Zobah. And he sends his son, Joram, to be a diplomatic. Uh, really just on a diplomatic mission to David. And we read in those verses of 9 and 10 that that Toy was very pleased that his old enemy Hadadezer had been crushed. And, of course, Toy was very wise to show that he was for David and not against David. Now, as we think about the importance of chapter 8, we would be remiss if we missed the emphasis the author gives us here. Do you see the one phrase... That is repeated in this chapter. It's at the end of both verses 6 and 14. Now, I uh, highlighted it here for you. Maybe. Go to 6. Alex, can you help me out, brother? Hey, by the way, what you guys don't see behind the scenes is all our teams in the production. So let's give it up real quick to Alex and Ethan back there helping us out. Uh, so here we go at the end of verse six and 10 and the Lord helped David wherever he went and verse 14 and the Lord helped David wherever he went. You see, first and foremost, above all things that this chapter is not a record of David's victories, but it's a record. It's a record of God's victories. He may use David in it, but really they're, they're God's victories over David's enemies. And if that's true, then we, then we must look at and listen to an amazing connection, courtesy of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Like David, has God given you victory? If your faith is in Jesus, if you've trusted in Christ as your only hope, then he has and he is and he will. What kind of victory does God give us by grace through faith? He gives us the victory of Jesus. And it's not limited to a number of things I have here on the screen. Sin, victory over sin, victory over death, enemy, self-despair, meaninglessness, fear, unforgiveness, greed, jealousy, hopelessness, lust, world, purposelessness. Whatever it is, this list its not limited to this list. But these are some great things that I believe everybody in this room has dealt with at one time or another and maybe still are today. But you have, because of the victory of Jesus, because of the victory on the cross... You have victory over all of these things, and then some. As the apostle John expresses it in 1 John, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Like David, has God given you the victory, beginning with with Christ's Victory over the power of sin and death. Do you recognize the smaller victories that flow from that victory at Calvary? Do you recognize the victories that he's given you and I, not limited to, but these items in your home, in your family, in your marriage, in your workplace, relationships, finances, words, thoughts, desires. He gives you victory in these things. And as much as God gives the victory, God gets the glory. It's not about what we're doing it's not about anything that we've done it is all about what he has done he gives us the victory and we're going to rejoice in the victory but we're also going to rejoice and we're going to give praise and we're going to give praise to him because he deserves the glory i think one of the ways that we can glorify god in light of his victories is to do the very thing we find here in second samuel chapter 8 You can write out a victory list. If you're taking notes today or even just have your phone, then you can can do this right now or or after service at some point, but you can write out a victory list. Make some space. Put it in there. Start writing out the things, making a list and adding to it over and over, re-going through it, reading it over day after day after day, being like, what what has God done for me? Oh, I'm going to rejoice in this today. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. Think about the things that God has helped you to overcome. Think about the challenges God has brought you through. Think about the prayers that God has answered. Write those things down and glorify God by acknowledging that He is the one who has given you the glory or the victory. And He will get the glory through that. Also, write down areas of your life where you are praying for victory. You say, This, these are my victories. I have another list. These, these are things I am seeking victory in. Areas in which you desperately want to overcome. Keep adding to that list. Keep, keep looking for his victories in your life. And, and let that victory list be a reminder of his faithfulness. Let that list be an instigator of thankfulness and praise. Let that list be a means of humbling you and I. And turn our eyes from ourselves to the real hero of our story. That's Christ Jesus. And Keep that list close. And let me finish this morning with three additional lessons that I believe God has given us here in 2 Samuel chapter 8. These are things that we can think about as we think about our victory list. The first being that God's victories flow directly from his promises. The context here is very important, very important. Do you remember what we saw in the last chapter? We read in chapter seven about how God made a covenant promise to David to establish the throne of David forever. We talked last week and the week before about how that promise was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the descendant of David who lives and reigns forever. But we also talked last week about God's covenant promise to us in Jesus Christ. All of God's promises are fulfilled in some way in Jesus Christ. And if our faith is in Jesus as our only hope, then we are recipients of these promises. And why is this so important though? Because as we go forward in faith, we need to know that God is not like some wishy washy ally who may or may not be there to have your back. You need to know that God will show himself strong in your life according to his unbreakable treaty with you. Like many treaties that the U.S. has made in the past, in Jesus, God has said to you when you are attacked in any way, I will be there to fight for you, I will stand with you. You are not alone. Does that in every, does that in every situation, God simply comes in, does that mean that in every situation, God simply comes in and gets rid of the difficulties? No, it doesn't. But he's always there supporting you. He's there reinforcing you, arming you, so you can fight the good fight of faith. The second thing that we are reminded of here is that God's promises, we fight. I think we sometimes have the mindset that, that God's promises are received passively. As if, as if God simply places us in a first class seat, puts a drink in our hand, kicks the seat back, and pulls the sleeping mask over our eyes so that he can transport us, turbulence free, into wherever victory, whatever heavenly destination that we're going to. That's not it. How do we fight? We know in Ephesians 6 is the armor of God. And you can just read it, and you can just read it and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put this on, this on, this on. But I'm going to show you uh, an example today. Pastor Micah actually did this uh, almost a year ago now at Noblesville. And I was like, this fits perfectly in my message. I'm going to use it today. So I'm going to show you how I think it should be. you to be reminded of this. I want you to be reminded, go back to Ephesians 6. How how do we fight? We put on the armor of God, but we don't put it on passively. We don't do it passively. We we step in. We step in boldly and with courage and confidence that God is there and he's supporting us and he he is building us up to fight against the schemes of the enemy. God calls us to receive his promises with an active faith. When God promises promises to get us past the finish line, we run. We run. When God promises to give us a harvest of righteousness or of eternal life, we plant and we water. When God promises us victory in Christ, we fight each and every day. Remember, David received the promise in 2 Samuel 7, that God would establish his kingdom and give Israel rest from all her enemies on every side. And in light of that promise, what did David do? Sit back and wait for God to rain down fire and brimstone? No. He went out and he fought battles that needed to be fought. Let's be clear. The victory has already been won by Jesus through his death and resurrection on the cross. But we are called to fight the good fight every single day in light of that victory and in the power of his triumph. And when we fight to trust him, when we fight to obey him, when we fight to speak and live for him, we are not fighting in our own strength. Listen to a couple verses from Paul in regards to our fighting in God's power. First in 1 Corinthians. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. And Colossians chapter chapter 1 verse 29 for this purpose also I labor striving according to his power which mightily works within me all these battles will they be easy no we learn from from the title inscription of psalm 60 that the psalm was written in the midst of these very battles. The battles of 2 Samuel that we were reading about, that we read about and learned about, Psalm 60 was actually written in the midst of it. And listen to how David cries out to God in the midst of this conflict. "'Have not you yourself, O God, rejected us? "'And will you not go forth with our armies, O God? "'O give us help against the adversary, "'for deliverance by man is in vain.'" Through God we shall do valiantly, and it is he who will tread down our adversaries. In the midst of these battles, David writes these. So how do we respond? Finally, we respond by dedicating everything to him. Everything to him. What good thing do you possess that is not a spoil of the victories of God on your behalf? And if that's true, then we should gladly give all things over to God for his pleasure. David did that in verse 11. All the gold, the silver, and the bronze that he took as spoils of war, he dedicated to God. What does that mean? Well, a practical example of this is in actually 1 Chronicles 22, where we learn that these, these precious metals were set aside so that they could be used by David's son Solomon when he constructed God's temple in Jerusalem. Have you set aside your time? Have you set aside your talents? Have have you set aside your treasure for God, for his glory, and for his work in this world? This morning, as we wrap up, as we think about this idea of a victory list, I don't want us to miss the amazing statement the writer has given us here in verse 15. He says, so David reigned over all Israel, and David administered justice and righteousness for all his people. The message of this verse is central to the message of the book of Samuel. God installed a king over his people who would reign over them as he reigns over them. Justice and righteousness. What do these mean? It means David did what was right for his people. That justice and that righteousness have to point us forward to Jesus Christ, the son of David. David's reign was only a shadow of the glorious reign of Jesus. Jesus came with justice and righteousness. But what did he do with them? Did he give every person according to what they deserved? No. He took justice and righteousness and combined them with mercy and love to make a beautiful salve for needy sinners like us. He mixed it all on the cross and, and declared it, "Justice will be satisfied here." Jesus was like David in that, in that he came as the king as, as fought, came as a king, as fought the battle that needed to be fought, and he won. And the extent of his victory is incomparable. Sin, death, the devil, the world were overcome by the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We want to follow him, bring our tribute to his feet, don't we? Shouldn't we? All of the victories in our life, they flow from the battle fought on that cross. Are you humbled this morning? Are you Thankful this morning? Are you ready to give into your your week looking to God to be your champion? Are you going into your week ready to identify and celebrate all of God's victories on your victory list? Don't let the week go by without recognizing the victories that God is accomplishing in your life every single day the big and the small, they all matter. They all matter and he should get our glory. He should get our praise in every situation. And when you see that, you are filled with joy and gratitude. And it prepares you in your faith to look for God each moment to be your champion. So what comes next after today? What do we do with this message? Well, I gave you a couple of things already. Write down your victory list. Write down the things you're seeking victory in. But what I will tell you is this, that in your list of things that you're seeking victory in, he has already overcome. And all you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is declare it. So why am I even worried about this? Why do I have fear? Why do I hear these voices in my head? Why why do I struggle with this temptation so much more than all the others? Why can't I lead my family as I'm supposed to? Why am I not a, a great coworker because I always am in deceit and lying? And why do I struggle with all these things? Whatever it may be, whatever your walk is today, God already has the victory over it. He has the victory over it. For you and I, no matter what it is, past, present, future, it does not matter. That's the purpose of the cross. And all we have to do is we are what? Saved by grace through faith. There is action that we have to take on on our end. He may give us grace, but we have to, in faith, receive that. Speak against it. So for anybody here in this house today, in the house of the Lord, we are going to rejoice and we are going to praise. But if you're seeking a victory, if, you're, you're, if you just feel like you're in a rut, you just don't know where else to go. You're stuck, it seems. But you already have the victory. But I, we, we, we have a prayer team up here. They, they're trained. They love praying for people, love praying with people. And it doesn't just stop here. They share it with the rest of our prayer team. And then we're praying over it every single day of the week until we get a word back that it's been restored, that the victory has been had. And then we rejoice with you. So whatever prayer you need today, victory over your marriage, victory over your finances, victory over your fear and your anxiety, your depression, victory over anything that you can think of, Anything you can think of, the negative thoughts over yourself that, that maybe has been spoken over you, or even you've spoken over yourself. Jesus has victory over that. There's nothing that can hold you down if you don't let it. There's power in the name of Jesus. I shared that last week. There is power in the name of Jesus, and there is power in our words. So, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do this morning? When we get up to worship, are you going to stand there and and, and worship? Are you going to come forward, recognize that we all need help and we all need prayer? We all need it. We all need a victory. So I encourage every single one of you to come up if you would. But I'm not going to force you. But the step you take forward to the altar is the most powerful step that you will take today and in this week. Because you're stepping forward saying, Satan, you no longer have power over me. Satan, you no longer have any authority over me. Satan, you don't have any victory over me. I'm going to come to this altar, and I'm going to bow, and I'm going to pray with with my fellow believers. And we're going to pray a victory through and over your life today. And if you believe that this morning, we're going to rejoice. Because I believe it, and I know it's true. The shame, the condemnation, the, the the embarrassment that the enemy's trying to creep into your mind saying, no, don't go up there. You're gonna be weird. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna stand out. No. That ain't that's not true. Because what happens when you come forward is we rejoice and we pray and we claim the victory. The victory is ours for the taking, but where are you today? Are you gonna take it? Or are you just gonna sit and suffer? Because you're not meant to suffer. Because Christ suffered for us already. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.